Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast, formerly known as the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the CEO of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives and artists working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Thanks for joining me. I have with me Peyton Varney. Did I say that all correctly, Peyton? Yeah, pretty much. You can say it Varney, okay. but either way, it doesn't matter. Varney. We can throw an accent in there. Yeah. I guess so tell much. me. <laughs> My last name, people always ask me, where's the last name Kingsline from? And I tell them it's a boat name because they, right. you know, they just had this list when they came over and, you know, immigrants. And uh, they chose this Kingsline, you know, sitting there on a list. What do you know? <laughs> so great to talk to you. Why don't we start with telling us uh, where you are, what you do, all that good stuff. And then there's a couple of things I want to talk about with you. One, your career, how you trained, because you're relatively fresh in the mm-hmm. position that you're in now. And at the same time, you've also done a fair bit of education and outreach and, and stuff like that. So there's a lot to talk about today. So when we start, what do you do now? Where, where do you work? What do you do? Yeah. First off, yeah, it's definitely an honor to be interviewed, especially like, I guess, this fresh in my uh, career. But yeah, like Ron said, my name is Peyton. I grew up in Alabama and went to school down in Florida, actually, at Ringling College of Art and Design. And then my junior year, I did an internship with Insomniac Games, working on the Marvel Spider-Man that recently came out. And then after graduation, actually, this past May, I applied to Naughty Dog and got a position there working full time as a texture artist on The Last of Us 2. So I've been I've been at uh, Naughty Dog for about six months now and enjoyed every second of it. That's awesome, man. It's like you won the lottery, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm very fortunate with uh, the opportunities I've been able to have and, you know, timing of everything. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about because, you know, I don't believe in fortune. I'm sure you've worked your butt off and we're sitting here looking at your art station. And so what I really want to do is kind of unpack what you've done to get where you are so that that can help somebody else who's looking to get that job as well. Because I know almost everybody I I interview for the boot camp or for some of the different programs I've got, I mean, it's like Naughty Dog is right there. That's one of the big places to work. And you scored that right after an internship. So tell me, let's talk a little bit about your schooling and how that worked, and then we're going to kind of build up from there. So you went to Ringling, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ringling's a four-year degree program to get your bachelor's. Yeah. I got a bachelor's in game art and design. And basically, your first year is all like fundamentals. It's uh, traditional because most people that go to Ringling actually have a traditional background. Um, It's not just all digital. And then your sophomore year, junior year, and senior year is really where you dig into the digital side of things. Sophomore year, you learn a lot of the programs and the pipeline and just basically how game design works and game art works. And then junior year, you're kind of honing those skills, kind of starting to make personal projects and try that out in actually like full environments. And then senior year, you actually can team up or you can be alone, but you uh, make a thesis or a final project that you can, you basically do everything from scratch, from original concepts and everything to the end, making a trailer and making it playable. Did you do a lot of learning on your own or were the classes sufficient for you? The classes definitely help with learning some of the tools and stuff. But 
as you know, this industry is always transforming. <laughs> and there's right. every, every like month there's a new program or there's a new technique or way to do something. So there's always a lot of personal like ambitions and motivation that you have to do to really get to the like the top of knowing all that technology. And I think it's still important to also be practicing your traditional skills as well. What do you mean by traditional? Traditional for me would be like sculpting with clay, painting, drawing. Uh, haven't done it within the last like couple months just because of like moving and job and everything. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of what you see in environments can come from the real world and especially like ZBrush, <laughs> which yeah. I know you're super familiar with. But actually having that traditional background of sculpting with clay will help you basically sculpting in ZBrush. But yeah, yeah I kind of looked at that too when I was trying to fix some of my weaknesses that I had. And like one of them, I noticed that I was lacking color in some of my environments my junior year. And so senior year, I uh, took a advanced figure painting class with like oil paint and everything like that. And it was, <laughs> it was with, um, George Pratt, which is like really, really good artist. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it definitely pushed my colors and a lot more. And I think you can see that in my thesis. Okay. So then what does a day look like for you? So you go into work, you know, six months in on this gig. What do you do? Grab your coffee, go to your <laughs> desk, you know, walk me through this, you know, just so people have a sense of what this is actually like. Yeah, of course, you got to start with the coffee. <laughs> I got to start with the coffee. Yeah, I always have a coffee every morning. But besides that, yeah, it's just, it's pretty open. Just making textures and texturing environments. Can't say too much about like what I'm texturing or anything like that. But yeah, just pretty much how you would do it for like a portfolio piece or just Uh a personal environment. You just, you have to talk to a couple more people (laughs) and you can't just, you know, do it without asking. But yeah, basically, you're just texturing environments, making sure that you're working closely with designers, lighting artists, your modeler, because every texture artist is paired up with a modeler. And you're kind of like working that way. But yeah, it's it's very open and allows for a lot of creativity, I think. So what does it mean, texture? This is one of the things that is constantly amazes me because it's probably one of the most, the fastest developing kind of area of game arts is what's texturing. It used to be like what was modeling and ZBrush came and ZBrush changed what modeling was. It's no longer modeling. It was now sculpting. But now texturing is like, well, it's not photos. It used to be photo bashing, right? Yeah. What do you do? What does it look like? (laughs) It can be. I think it varies at every studio. Texturing is more so the like the shader work and the texturing work to make a an environment, you know, sell like color wise and each studio or each project will have a different, I guess, workflow for that because some engines or some projects might require more geometry just because the engine can handle more or some other projects might can't like, like Unreal sometimes has trouble with uh, large amounts of geo. So Mm -hmm. I think it's more of like a balanced workflow where you use both geometry and texturing. So it really, I guess, depends and there's, there's different ways around it for each thing. But yeah, I'd say texturing overall is just, you know, really selling, I guess, the model of the piece. And you're given a model, the mo- you're paired with a modeler. So your job is just to, is just to take it to the finish line. Is that, is that an accurate 
assumption. Uh, yeah. Well, you're there, not like model's not necessarily done. Okay. But you're working with the colors and you really need to. It's, <laughs> I'm having trouble explaining it just because it's like a balancing act, bouncing back and forth between the two. Uh-huh. Um, because I think yeah. modeling and texturing really play off of each other. And I don't think you can't just, well, like with the, the marmoset or something, like that's a texture on its own, but that's not in an environment. And there's so many things that play into an environment that relay back to the texture, I guess. Okay, so let's talk but, a little bit about your um, the Smoky Mountains. So the workshop is interior, and mm-hmm. uh, you know you're doing a lot of modeling. The Smoky Mountains is all exterior; it's all outdoors, right? It's almost like world building. Very different skill sets. Are environment artists are yeah. expected to do both? Yeah, I would say mostly environment artists are expected to do both. Okay. When you get on larger teams, you might have yeah. an artist specifically for buildings or an artist specifically for foliage or something like that. But as in like an average environment team, I would say that you're expected to, you know, be pretty versatile in your uh, your environment creativity. Beautiful work, man. I love the Smoky Mountains. So walk me through like what are some of the things that you have to do to create this? Because I think a lot of us, we understand like modeling a barn. Mm-hmm and wood and sculpting inside of ZBrush. But I, you know, I think a lot of things get crazy when you start talking foliage, trees, rocks I get, water. What are some of the things that you have to do when you're thinking of building an outdoor scene like this? I guess one thing really in the beginning would be collecting your reference and all that you, um, Mm -hmm. for the environment. For me, the Smoky Mountains, since I grew up in Alabama, the Smoky Mountains like run through Tennessee and all. But it was actually more so like a project that I guess hit more so to something that I connected with because it was somewhere that I went to when I was growing up uh, frequently. And so I think that kind of goes back to finding inspiration for work, too. And I think grabbing stuff from real life and capturing experiences and also just trying to create, you know, an experience that you might have had or enjoyed. I think it, it you can definitely see a lot more heart from an artist when you do something like that because you're trying to put story into it or you have this deeper connection than just going on google and typing in like a birch forest or something like that you know right but yeah never done an exterior environment so with this one it was basically i knew i wanted to do i had it in my mind that i wanted to do like this river in the smoky mountains it was kind of one that i like pictured where I used to go or whatnot. And so I started with the block out, found a bunch of reference from Smoky Mountains, thought about what I would be able to achieve and what I couldn't achieve. So what are some of those things that you you decided? So what what are some of the things you couldn't achieve? For for this one, I thought that since I hadn't done an exterior environment before, I thought it was probably not smart to try to do like rapids which, you know, you would typically okay. find in a river like this. I wanted to focus more on the tranquility and the, the feeling of it and get that mood across than okay. spending weeks on water tech that's flowing and all. And so then I also had to think about like story for that, because if you're not going to put it in, you, you kind of have to give a reason why. So that's that's why it, more so it's it's in the summer months where the the snow on the mountains have has dried out and even if you go hiking around here in la 
during the summer months and later into fall, most of the waterfalls and everything have dried out just because, you know, the water is gone from the, the runoff from the uh, mountains. So that's why I set it more so in that time period as well. Got it. Okay. So what does a blockout look like for you? Or, and what are you focused on? Are you focused on lighting? Are you focused on just models, just knowing that there's a rock here? What are the focuses for you? First off, it would probably be composition. Okay. Getting down a good composition for the camera. Of course, it's going to change over time as you work on the environment, but getting an initial composition that works, I think mm-hmm. helps a lot. So I did like really rough blockout. They were like circles or more, a little less or a little more lumpy than circles, but, um, and kind of just blocked out rock shapes, getting some large ones, some medium ones here, you know, your macro to micro details. And yeah. then I just used, I think, cylinders for tree placement. I knew that for the actual lighting of the trees and the dappling and all, I wouldn't be able to get that until I had like the actual alphas of the tree guards and all in. But I went ahead and blocked out, I guess, lighting direction mm-hmm. and where I wanted it to come from. And then even if you don't have those alpha cards in, you kind of just you can block out stuff to get some general shadow shapes, I guess. And then I, as I moved through, I think I started next with the, the rocks and actually started, you know, kind of sculpting them in ZBrush and then move on to the foliage and then uh constantly readdressing lighting and composition moving around just playing with the camera like fog and all that stuff Mm -hmm. how are you establishing the difference between the rocks the grass and i think you say are you you're using mega scans here so are you using Mm -hmm. um are you just dropping those right in as part of the block in or are you laying out just textures and basically a bunch of photos there because i know for example my friend melissa she likes to just she likes to lay out tiled textures everywhere, even if it looks like crap. But this way, she just knows that's grass, this is rock, this is something else. Sometimes I'll just apply more of like a, a blend or a, like a base color to it. So it won't actually have any normal or detail information on it, but it'll just be a general color, like a gray or a green or a brown. And I think that helps me. But yeah, then I do sometimes go back in and I'll do that where I... Uh, do a general like grass texture and even if it's not good it's it's getting a little bit more of the noise in there so you can kind of see how dense it will be or whatnot and then you can come back and readdress it but you don't want like too much detail in your initial block out textures because that's gonna confuse you i think that makes sense so let's get back to to your career basically so you do your internship at insomniac i used to train at insomniac quite a bit and I always loved going there. You do your internship there. How the heck does that lead to a job at Naughty Dog? Then? Yeah, the, the internship was <laughs> quite awesome. Uh, it was last summer uh, for like about three months. And it was just working on the, the Spider-Man team here in Burbank. It was nice because they really gave us full responsibility of making environments and all for Spider-Man. We just felt like part of the team didn't feel like, you know, an intern just doing like side projects or whatnot. And everyone was like super nice there and super helpful. And upon leaving, they recently wrapped up the project or whatnot and shipped it. <laughs> but looking at Naughty Dog, I was, it was over this, over, basically over my senior year of college. I think it was back in like, might have been over a year now, back in like October. But yeah, yeah. I applied just because I was like, you know, it's, it's 
one of the places that I admire all the um, artists there yeah. and, you know, the projects. And it was one of my like dream studios. So I did apply and got the art test like everyone else does, did an art test and, you know, got feedback, did like additional work. And yeah, it was pretty seamless. You did the art test. And how long did you have to do the art test? Two weeks? Yeah. Can't say too much about it. Okay. But yeah, yeah it's, basically. It's funny. There was um, Melissa, who's a mentor who can't work at Naughty Dog. And she just did this portfolio class. And she was like, you know, you can't really talk about what you do with the art tests, but you can literally <laughs> Google a, a Naughty Dog art test. And there's fools that, with their name, actually post their art test results. So it's like it's not a it's not a secret, but it's a secret. Like you know, it's wise not to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, but you can I mean, go out there and Google it. So it's yeah. kind of fun. But I guess I guess the key thing for me here is, and I don't want to get you in trouble, but I just want to help people understand, like what's an art test, what's involved in that, and what are the expectations, you know? And so one of the issues people have a lot is. You know, should I be doing this in a week, in a month? Will they tell me a time frame? So did they tell you a time frame or or did you have any sense of like how long it should take? Or was this just a vague thing and you had to you just had to work? Yeah, I would say uh, most art tests are, I guess, generally open unless they're they kind of, you know, very strictly tell you how quickly they would like it turned around, depending mm-hmm. on uh, if they're bringing on people fast or. But for me, I kind of looked at other art tests you can search them up find all kinds of art tests online some are able to be posted some are not but yeah there's also like i think you can find places where people actually describe the art tests not specific (laughs) to like so i was just looking around at different art tests and seeing how long people like on art station would write like how long they did one for this studio or that studio and i just got a general feel and i was like maybe like three to four weeks I think would be good because that's not mm-hmm. too quickly for an environment, but it's not too long. And yeah. I think more so with an art test, if they don't immediately tell you how quickly they need to turn around besides, you know, you can spend more than like a week or two weeks on it, I think, and just making it as good as possible and look as high quality as you can as an artist, because you want the art test to reflect what your skills are. So instead of rushing on it, really taking your time and it takes like a week or two weeks or even three weeks longer, if they message you asking, you can ask for more time. Sometimes, you know, you might not want to do that. But yeah, I think it really comes down to just making it as high quality as possible in a decent amount of time. Were you worried that you were going too slow or did you feel like you had confidence, you know, <laughs> confident in your approach? Yeah, well, I... I guess like when you're you're applying to places and all, you feel like if you haven't talked to them for a week, then they forgot about you. And that's like (laughs) with every place. So, of course, you know, it's those jittery feelings. So, yeah, I was like three, four weeks in. I was like, oh, like I should try to finish this up. But, you know, I want to spend more time on it. And it's a constant battle, but maybe taking a day or two off and then coming back to it and looking at it and seeing if you're still satisfied with some of the work. Cause I think giving your eyes a rest from a piece, if you're constantly working on it every day, you're not going to be able to see the problems with it. So I think if you are having that issue where you're like, is it good enough to send? Is it not? I don't know. Then yeah, maybe taking like a, a short break from it uh, might help with that as well. 
But yeah, and every studio is different with the art tests. And they're they're all different with the descriptions and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about your work and how you get such a painterly quality to it. And I want to understand if there's any software that's kind of involved in that. Because, you know, when I'm looking at your work, you say you're, you work traditionally as well. And it shows, you know, but, but how? If we're looking at, you know, either the wood barn or if we're looking at the conservatory interior or the conservatory exterior, right? Is it fog? Like, let's take a look at this. If we take a look at the wood, the workshop. So this has a very painterly quality. And I don't even really know what that means as I say that, right? It's, it's just, yeah, but it has yeah. it. Do you understand what, I'm, what I mean by that? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think, but I would say mostly the things that I guess program wise and all that, that occur most on the ones that you're talking about having that painterly feel. Yeah. Things that feel most painterly are the ones that are actually done in ZBrush and Designer. Oh, that's just, interesting. Yeah. Like the foliage, because I, I did that foliage tutorial, but the, the foliage is actually in my protege thesis that I did mm-hmm. with two of my fellow classmates. But like with the foliage itself, it was all sculpted in ZBrush, the, and the leaves were. And then for the colors, I brought them in to designer and basically got the color information and all and set up my subsurface and all in designer. Okay. But um, having a normal and a height from ZBrush, I think is a lot softer than, of course, like uh, photo scan stuff or like a photo or anything. And it mm-hmm. can also sometimes be, if you look at a ZBrush, like material compared to designer material, the fully procedural can also still have a grainy effect compared to some of the like sculpted ZBrush uh, textures that you see. Okay. And when we're talking, so there's definitely some quality in terms of mixing ZBrush and substance. When you're lighting these, how important is lighting to an environment artist? Let me just start with that question. (laughs) I mean, if you don't have lighting, then like, no matter how good your textures are or your models are, it's just, it's not going to work. I think it's, it's one of the most important things I think for an environment because it sells the whole scene. Even as a texture artist, you're constantly working with your lighter just because like specularity and all that stuff really has to uh, like in your roughness just has to like really sell. And if the lighting is mm-hmm. not helping that texture, it doesn't matter how good your like your map is. Okay, that's awesome. All right, so we've been chatting for a bit, and I want to—I don't want to take up too much of your time, but we didn't quite answer the question of like, how did it basically transpire? You know, that you go from an internship at Insomniac to Naughty Dog. Then, if I understand correctly, you said you applied for Naughty Dog while you were still in school, and then were mm-hmm. you in school during the internship as well, or no? Well, we were out for summer break. Basically, they had two semesters. They have like the fall and the spring, and we're out for yep. uh, summer break. So it was a three-month-long internship during my summer break after my junior year. So it was in between my junior year and senior year. And then my senior year, yeah, I applied to Naughty Dog. And it was pretty seamless. Just What, I guess, what, what do you think want. caught their attention? For Naughty Dog or the uh, internship? Mm-hmm. No, for, for Naughty Dog. I would say just making, having an eye for your work, not just mm-hmm. feeling... Not filling your art station up, which is every single thing you make, but having a professional presentation of your stuff. Uh, Uh Because even if you make good things, if you don't present it right, then it can look amateur or it can look not as good. So I think 
your your screenshots, uh, how they're presented, composition, all that definitely helps a lot. That's a really great point because when I'm looking at your site, like it looks, you know, everything's very well. You've got a couple of substance designer, you know, shader balls, mm-hmm. and but otherwise you have complete scenes that show that you have spent that time, that month to two months on your piece. Yeah, with when I actually like compile stuff to you know put in portfolio or whatnot, uh, that's you know a couple of days in itself. Finding right compositions, getting feedback on my compositions, trying out trying out different cameras, cropping them in Photoshop, flipping them, just you know collecting so many things, and then you just slowly like because I'll take like probably a hundred screenshots and then filter through and maybe grab like five to ten because. Also, with your when you're presenting something, you don't want to each shot that you have. You want to tell new information with it. And if you're just showing the same thing, like the plane or like a tree or something, and it's the exact same angle but like slightly moved to the right or something, that's not adding anything new. And you know that screenshot might hurt you because it might be a worse composition or something. All right, and you do training though, right? You're putting together tutorials and stuff like that? Yeah, so I did the the foliage tutorial basically just because I didn't see much out there about, I guess, foliage, especially mm-hmm. like for Unreal Engine. And I know when I was doing it, at least for uh, Protege, there wasn't too much I could find on it. So I basically, everything that I learned from different things and techniques and just practicing and all that stuff, I tried to compile it in an easy to understand thing for beginners or people that haven't really tried foliage yet, because sometimes it can be a lot to take in, I guess. Yeah. So I want it to be digestible. You're not new to teaching. You were a teaching assistant. This has been something you've been doing for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I did some teaching assisting at Ringling. Yeah. Basically, I, I just, I like sharing my information that I learn and helping other people out because at Ringling, my thesis partners and my friends and like all my close friends and stuff, we all helped each other out and taught each other. And I think that's like huge is like making Mm -hmm. sure that you have a, if you can, like a place that you can go to talk to people and give Mm -hmm. feedback and share what you know and build off of each other. Because, you know, we all had our things that we were good at. And we would share that with each other and basically just grow together. It's almost like competitive atmosphere, but it's a yeah. uh, friendly competitive, not cutthroat competitive. Like you're not trying to better the other person. You're all trying to grow together. Yeah. You're not trying to beat them. You're trying to yeah. be a little you know? <laughs> a little um, better, you know? I don't want to like beat them in the ground, but. Well, with that, because like for my internship, one of my close mm-hmm. friends, uh, his name's Steve Hong. He's okay. also one of my thesis partners. We both applied for the Insomniac internship, and there's only one position. So <laughs> we helped each other out with like resumes, and we helped each other out with everything else. And we both applied, and they actually like made a second position, and we both went there. Just you know, no because way. Of both of us. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, oh man. I- I was going to ask if you got to go, nan, 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 but that's really, that's like even better. <laughs> yeah, because we helped each other out and it was kind of rewarding to see that as well as like, 
you know, instead of trying to kick each other down or whatnot and win it over, then, you know, instead you just, you both grow as an artist, whoever gets it, gets it, congratulations. But in the end, it was, yeah, it was really awesome and a humbling experience to both have the opportunity. That's awesome. All right. Well, I want to thank you. Make sure you can head over to Arcation and Peyton's is just Peyton Varney. That's the the um, the English way of saying it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Varney. Peyton Varney. Uh, and then you can get to his gum road there where you can learn, you know, he's got tutorials and uh, he's also got some substance designer materials he's sharing with you there. And on the tutorial, he puts his Gmail right there. So that's actually going to be his undoing. <laughs> Which one? You guys know where to find him. You're an oh, artist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can contact me if need be through ArtStation or the Gmail. Either works. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and, and for, um, you know, for just being willing to kind of share and have this conversation. I know you're early in your career. Just I love the work of such a, a sense of art to it not just cg but actual art you know thank so I'm, you. I'm quite i'm quite grateful you took the time to talk to us thank well thank you. you for having me and it really has been an honor and i was awesome. yeah this really excited so it was nice talking to you all right thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this and i want to ask just two things of you number one Make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.